Would you open God's precious holy word to the 135th Psalm? If God would be pleased, we're going to finish out book five of the Psalms, which we've done some of them already, but we'll carry, we'll carry from 135 through 150 in case you want to stay ahead and study. Praise Yahweh. Several divisions here, but let's, let's have the setting of the psalm. This is a psalm for those, uh, the priests, the servants who lead in worship. This psalm actually is composed of bits and pieces of other psalms, mostly. So it's taken for particular aspects of worship. And in following the, the text of the 134th Psalm, it is generally believed that since both of them are addressed to servants, the 134th Psalm deals with the leadership of worship or the engagement of worship in the night and the 135th Psalm, the engagement of worship during the day and the setting is the temple of the Lord. So I simply call it because the term praise is used so many times in the Psalm, we just call it praise Yahweh or hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number one, we praise God, leaders of worship, engage this worship and then lead, carry this out to lead others in worship because Yahweh is our God. He chose us. First four verses. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Yahweh. Praise you servants of Yahweh, who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of our God. El Hanu. Halu Yah. Now you'll notice it's a little different spelling there. Yah is a contraction that is used from time to time. Uh, especially by those connected to the priesthood. It is the name of Yahweh, but it is the contracted version. So it's the same thing. Hallelujah. For Yahweh is good. Sing to his name because it is pleasant. For Yah chose Jacob for himself. Israel for his treasure. We praise Yahweh. He is our God. He chose us from among all others. Now this, this direction to the servants of the, who stand in the house of Yahweh, who stand in the temple, is, a, is an instruction that is focused on the importance of, of worship. This is the reason we're created. You can read that in the Bible. The reason for our creation, you know, 
some poor soul wandering through the universe may ask the empty-minded question, why am I here? You're here to worship the Lord, your creator. That's what, but only those who are awakened to the reality of the Lord and salvation in him can engage in this worship. So the leaders praise the name of Yahweh. Those of you who stand in the house of Yahweh. Now, what was their job? This priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, they, they were always busy doing stuff in the temple. Uh, there were fires that had to keep burning and there were showbread and it had to be attended to and, and the candlestick and all that stuff. Brazen altar. Worshippers would come with their offerings, their sacrifices. Every time a worshiper came to the temple was an opportunity for the priest to give a lesson to the worshiper on who he is before God, the reality of God, the awesomeness of God, and how now accepting the principle of atonement and offering and so forth, now he is to understand that this is all by the direction of Yahweh, so he would stand accepted in the presence of Yahweh. Then there were other things that he could do. And then there were rituals and feasts and so forth in the calendar of the Jewish people of, of Israel that, uh, that they would observe. And all of these, they were, they were repetitive. I mean, just over and over and over again. But each time was a reminder of the intimate relationship between not just creator God, but covenant God, God who, who had assumed the responsibility of calling these people to himself and keeping them by his power. So all of this is praiseworthy. This is why if you want to project that into the New Testament era, if you want to put it into the, into the time of the church today, we're studying Ephesians. Paul makes it so clear about divine election and these kinds of things. These are things that come from the mind of God and we cannot understand them. We know that these, this, this, this doctrine of election is a reality because it's in the Bible. But we have no idea why God chooses whom he chooses. We don't even know who he's choosing. That's up to God. But it bespeaks the truth that God is eternally working in behalf of his people, even before they exist. From before the foundation of the world, to use a, a, a well-known phrase from the, old, from the New Testament. What is our response to this? Praise. There's nothing left but praise. We see in Ephesians this morning, all of this that we've been studying uh, from verses 3 through 14 ends to the praise of his glory. That's the goal of the whole thing. God inhabits the praise of his people. And we will be in his presence. And the great privilege that we will have 
is to offer praise to his glory, to who he is because of what he's done. To think of the difficult, from from a human perspective, of the difficult task. Now God can do this because he's God. To proclaim that he enters into a covenant, the father with the son, and the father gives these to the son, and the son pledges to keep them as his, even though in the course of time, he will have to pay a price for them. And all of this is arranged in eternity. And just to think of my life, not to think just of my life, but then to think of all of the lives of all of the people of God from all of the ages. We go back into the, into the pre-flood world and work from there into the post-flood world and consider all that the world and the enemy throw against the plan of God, the purpose of God, the people of God. It would seem so difficult for this plan, this purpose, and this registry as as the writer to the Hebrews calls us in Hebrews 12, the registry of those who registered in heaven, enrolled in heaven, to think that even before they're born, Psalm 139, the book was already written about them and the details that God moves through, not just in my life, but in the lives of all of his people, how, how profoundly complicated and intricate that would be and to know that it spans from eternity to eternity and and God does it why to the praise of his glory because he's God what greater way could he express to me that he is God than for me to stand in his presence and to be made to understand that every tiny detail of my life involved God. Everything. People don't think about it as we walk through life. Paul says it best to the Areopagites in Acts 17 when he says, it is in him that we live and move And have our existence, have our being in him. Paul writes to the Colossians and says to the Colossians, he is before all things. All things are in him, through him, by him, for him. And in him all things consist or are held together. Sunestimi are held together by the power of the Christ in God's creation. All things now that means, that means the vast galaxies and novas and vistas and it also means subatomic particles that move at such rapid rate, incredibly small, yet it all stays together as a cosmos for the sake of his elect so that at the end of all things we can stand and give him the glory. This is what the priests are being taught. This is where people are led to offer worship 
and praise to the glory of God. He's not, he's not just a buddy. He doesn't fit in our hip pocket or right on our shoulder. He is the awesome God. So naturally, those who attend to the things of the temple are told to praise Yahweh. Number one, because he chose us. I went, well, what a, we can only know that because he reveals it to us. And his word is replete with that truth. So to stand in the presence and to try your best to think of the awesomeness of God and you'll never, ever, ever exhaust the imagination when it comes to trying to think of the existence of God. His ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He's greater than we are. We will never, ever, ever, not even in the, not even in the new heaven and new earth, never, ever be able to completely understand our creator. But he gives us what we can handle as we move through in our existence. And I think, you know, there are ages. There are ages in the new heaven and new earth. Many times in the New Testament, the phrase into the ages of the ages. So you can't exhaust. You can't exhaust time that just keeps moving in an eternal sense in a new heaven and a new earth and to his glory in a particular age we are challenged and lifted and we aspire to know something new and marvelous about God and then calls us then God calls us into the next age. That one is completed and now a new challenge, a new way, a new thing, a new thought, a new lesson about the existence of God. All to the praise of his glory. So the leaders of the temple are challenged and directed to offer praise to the name of Yahweh. Number one, because he's chosen us. We offer praise to Yahweh because he is sovereign and he does whatever he wants to do according to his pleasure. We cannot box. We can't put God in a box. People always think they can, but they can't. So, beginning in verse five, for I know that Yahweh is great. And our, our, our Lord, our Adonai, is more than all gods. All that pleases Yahweh, he did in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all the depths. He causes the vapors to ascend from the edge of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings wind out of his treasuries. 
pagans in worshiping their many gods see a particular God over each piece of creation. There was a God of the seas, a God of the depths, a God of the wind, a God of the lightning, and a God of, of rain. But those who worship the true and living God and we offer worship to his praise and glory, those of us who worship the true and living God understand that he is the only God. That he doesn't piecemeal these things. All of these things belong to him. He does them all in creation. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt from man to beast. That was no easy thing. He sent signs and wonders in the midst of Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon all of his servants. And he struck down great nations and slew mighty kings. Sahon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of the Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to Israel, his people. These people weren't. They didn't see themselves when they crossed the Jordan, went over into, the, into Canaan. They were a nation, but they didn't understand the power that was theirs because of Yahweh. They didn't understand, really, nor could they conceive that God was molding them into a kingdom and ultimately would bring through them the kingdom and the king of kings. But all one has to do for these people is to think of how the whole world was against them. Every nation that surrounded them hated them because of their God, the enemy, the adversary. And yet he proved his sovereign, his sovereignty over all things. And may I say to you that the best thing that the church can do today Alive and well on planet earth, those who still are living, facing what people try to throw at us as, as, a, as a, a nerve-wracking election and all this kind of thing, just relax. Repose in the sovereignty of God. It's going to be the way that he wants it to be. Now, I'm still going to vote. <laughs> but I'm going to vote knowing that God is going to do what he will do according to his pleasure, purpose, and will, and plan. And that's what he did here. So it seems so impossible. But at the end of it, he gave them the land as their inheritance, as he had promised. And so we worship God and we praise God because he is compassionate toward his people. Even when we don't deserve it, he vindicates his people. Yahweh, your name is eternal. Maybe, maybe yours says endures or something like that. Your name is eternal, Yahweh. Your fame is throughout all generations. Search the books, the history. Every generation. Every generation. In every generation, God has his people. God's message goes forth. His name is eternal. Who he is is always remembered. 
or his fame. It's always there. For Yahweh will govern his people and will have compassion for his servants. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says to them, you know, the Old Testament is given as an example for you, namely the church. So there were these countless struggles for those hundreds and hundreds of years for God's people Israel. And they would, they would not just stumble into sin. Sometimes they would rush headlong into sin. But they belonged to God. And he was compassionate. And he did whatever he had to do to see that his people were not only punished, but restored to where they should be. Every age. You read about it. You just read the Old Testament. God would always raise up a prophet, a king, a judge. God would always raise up a servant to proclaim and to remind the people of the intimate relationship, the covenant relationship between Yahweh and his own. He will have compassion for his servants. Now, in this case, specifically, it is reminding through the priesthood that God is compassionate. So in their discovery of his compassion, they, trans, they, they, they transmit that truth. They teach that truth to the people. That God is a compassionate God. How many times do you think the Levites would entertain a worshiper who came into the temple having grievously sinned and bringing the best that he could bring to make a sin offering to Yahweh? Well, the very fact that the worshiper would do it would speak of the depth of love that the worshiper had for God and fear and reverential awe of God. Knowing God to be compassionate, broken and humbled and yet courageous enough to come before the Lord with his sacrifice. Knowing that God is a compassionate God. You will, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not find a record of a perfect servant of God in the Bible. You won't find a perfect prophet. You won't find a perfect apostle. You won't find a perfect king. It's not there. What do we surmise from all that? That God is compassionate. For his own people. We praise God because Yahweh is the true and living God and he is alive. He's not a dead God. He lives and invests himself in his people. He cares for his people. His name is at stake. He does it for his holy name's sake. He has declared that he will receive glory and honor at the end of all things. Only God could assure that. This is, 
this is not a this isn't a toss of the dice or whatever. God knows exactly what's happening. Everything is moving according to his power. And in that day we will stand in his presence and we will marvel at his absolute power. And to think that he made me part of it. He lives and he cares for his people. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the handiwork of man. They have a mouth, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. Ears, but do not listen. Neither is there any breath in their mouth. Like them will be those who make them and all who trust them, namely, all of those who worship idols will come to nothing, nothing. Unlike the people of God. Yahweh is to be praised because he is present with his people. He's made it his responsibility. The house of Israel, bless Yahweh. The house of Aaron, the priests, bless Yahweh. The word to bless literally means to strike the knee. The word is used of, anybody ever ridden a camel? I've ridden a camel. It's nasty things. Their job is to get whacked on the knees so they'll go down and then down. And you get up on it. This is us before Yahweh. We strike the knee. There's nothing else, nothing left for us to do. Bless Yahweh. All of Israel, bless Yahweh. Priesthood, high priest, house of Aaron, bless Yahweh. House of Levites, the Levitical priesthood, bless Yahweh. You who fear Yahweh, bless Yahweh. Blessed is Yahweh from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. For all of that that he does for us, continue, will always do for us, that he brings us into eternity and cares for us like that. From eternity to eternity, the end of it can only be this. Hallelujah. Praise be to Yah. Hallelujah. We'll stop there. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, fill us with your spirit. Immerse us in your word. And help us to see and understand that the greatest thing in our existence is to offer praise to you and to your glory. So, Father, we know this keeps us humble, keeps us mindful of the cross. Continually reminded of our personal unworthiness. 
but the righteousness that we have because Christ has covered us in his righteousness. And so, Lord, we praise you. Keep us in this mind and help us to understand that this is the reason for our existence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.